This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our show today. This is Anne Gail Rose, and beloved Ahanu is sitting across from me. And yes, it is a beautiful day in San Diego. Ahanu, <laughs> sun is shining. The windows are open, the birds are singing, and it actually does feel like spring. The energy has shifted this, well, just this last week, and I never would have thought you would have noticed something like that in San Diego, but you could definitely tell the seasons here when it became fall, when it became winter, and now the energy is definitely uh, the energy of spring. I wonder, Angel Rose, do you do you say this each Saturday morning just to rub it in to people? Because our guest today, for example, Penny Kelly from Michigan, has four inches of snow up there and battling in difficult conditions and various people around the country, same thing, snow, 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 and storms and rain and winter still hanging around. No, I'm just giving a, a report on how to work. I know. This is the thing, you know. I remember being in Florida some years ago, and it is a case of just getting so used to a particular climate that it's hard to comprehend what it's like for other people who are not experiencing that. And it works both ways, of course. Well, you know, having lived on the East Coast a majority of my life, I can understand what they're going through, absolutely. But I think what does happen once you do move to a a warm climate is the whole idea of ever being in a cold climate and experiencing what they're experiencing is not desirable. At least that's what's happened to me. I guess we used to mock the people from California when we first arrived here, Hano, saying that they'd be walking around in hats and sweaters if it got to be 75 degrees. Yet, And we now we're here you are. If people could see you, you're bundled up in your sweater. <laughs> No. Okay, in your socks and it's me too. It's ridiculous, isn't it? For in the morning, yeah. So the mornings are always uh, chilly here, but it is a beautiful place to live. We Lots of flowers are blooming. and um, But I, I mentioned the shift in seasons, not only because I was surprised that you could feel them here, but also to just to notice how different you, you do feel in the different seasons. Like, when it was winter time, I did notice that I wanted to eat more. I was eating more carbohydrates. And first I got concerned about it. And then I realized that my body was just reacting to the fact that it was winter. Uh, but now the energy has changed. And all of a sudden I find that, you know, I'm back to uh, eating lighter foods. And, you know, I, I find the body interesting how it has that memory. Well, I, I'm I'm really interested in that too, because... In lots of ways, we think we're we're totally in control of things, but yet you've got things a little bit outside of ourselves. Now, I, I'm trying to move into the 3D when I'm talking about this because I'm very aware that we are in control of everything. And indeed, our guest today, Penny Kelly, will be talking to us about how we can create a new future, how we can evolve into this w- a wonderful future. But on the level of 3D, it appears to us 
that there are things outside of us and that would be climate for example and then the body reacts to that climate but the body reacts to other things too and I had a first-hand experience of it this week and if we could spend a moment Angel Rose just talking about this because it really really intrigued me I had a serious backache for most of the week and I couldn't figure out exactly what was causing it. I thought maybe it's the weather. You know how, for example, if it rained here in San Diego and in that rain, a lot of people react with rheumatoid kind of symptoms, you know, baking bones and, and joints creaking and that kind of thing. And I thought, oh my God, I'm getting old. But the more I began to look into it and with the help of you, of course, Angel Rose and our great homeopath in Ireland, we began to see that in actual fact, there was this deep past life issue that was arising that needed to be cleared and it was to do with old stuff about standing up and standing erect and uh, being strong and and not being a slave to situations and circumstances and I found myself in trying to relive and feel where it was coming from I was adopting the pose of somebody who, if anybody's familiar with the child pose in yoga, will know that you're down on your knees, you're kneeling forward with your forehead on the ground, but the hands are behind, the hands were behind my back. So it's like I was in a slave position and, and about to be beheaded. And this is where a lot of the back pain and neck pain was originating from. And uh, it was necessary for me to release that and stand up. But the reason I'm bringing it up is because in our discussion today, I know that Penny will be giving us help and advice about changing our circumstances for the better and recognizing how these old patterns have kept us enslaved for all these millennia and what we can do about it to create that wonderful future. And as soon as I recognized that, though, the symptoms left it was a case of really, really getting into that level of forgiveness that we talk about, getting into that place that not only just verbalizes a forgiveness, but recognizes it that nobody was ever guilty in the first place. And that was a beautiful release. It was an absolutely wonderful sense of letting all pain go. And yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was, it was an, an amazing exercise that came out of mm-hmm. a back pain. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that that was interesting because you were really down and out there with that back. And you always said, though, from the very beginning that you felt something energetic was going on. But we needed to contact Fergus Morrison, our trusty homeopath in Ireland, who's just magnificent in terms of um, finding things at a deeper level. So, yeah, I'm glad you're he's up. At, he's standing erect now, everybody. You know, he's walking around perfectly. <laughs> Homo he's, erectus. He's got a smile back <laughs> on his face. Okay, yeah. let's make our announcements real quick so we can get Penny going. Yeah, sure. Go ahead, Angel Rose. You've got a great announcement about Ireland. Well, I do, but that wasn't what I was going to start with. But I will, since you mentioned it. Is uh, We will be teaching how to read the Akashic Records on a two-day workshop, April 26th and 27th, in Kilkenny, Ireland at the Butler House, which is a beautiful old castle-like place. And uh, so it'll be, once again, April 26th and 27th. If you're interested, you do need to register at worldofempowerment.com. That's worldofempowerment.com. 
um, because we are collecting names now and we do limit it at a certain point. We did do our other Akashic workshop a few weeks ago uh, here in San Diego, and it was absolutely amazing. That was amazing. And the transformations that people had there, they are still integrating. So it was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful weekend with beautiful people. Now, the other big announcement is that Hanu's book, The Reincarnation of Columbus, is now at the publishers, everybody. So he has pushed the button this week. What a relief and that was, Angel Rose. It took 27 years. Yeah, I know. It only took him 27 years to write it. But anyway, um, it is a beautiful, beautiful book and filled with transformative messages. So if you're interested in that, do go to the reincarnationofcolumbus.com, the reincarnationofcolumbus.com, and you can pre-order your copy, which should be out within, I'd say, what, a week or 10 days they might need. My own book, uh, The Nature of Reality, is also at the publishers, and that will be coming out in late April. So it will be, it'll cover, you know, it'll be similar to the first book in terms of it will be the uh, transcripts of a lot of our meetings, but we will be covering questions about time and dimensions and kundalini and the chakras and love and miracles and the brain and consciousness and it's also a really great read messages from source in that book and you can order that from the nature of reality dot info okay Hanno, that's going to be it for now let's get penny on good morning good morning and i just wanted to <clears throat> good morning i can barely hear you Hanno. you were loud and clear and then all of a sudden um, you faded way into the background. I can barely hear anything you just said. So I assume you were introducing me. So I'll say good I morning. Was. Hope you're well. Well, let me let me reintroduce you, Penny, because I've just noticed, and thank you for pointing it out, my mic was way down and Angel Roses was up and it should have been the other way around. So let me just run oh. past that real quick because that little introduction is very important to set the stage for us today. So just bear with me okay. a second, Penny. I did okay. say that we had Penny Kelly on several times in the past discussing consciousness and energy and your work with Dr. Levengood on crop circles, bovine incisions and your encounter with the Elves of Lily Hill Farm. And you wrote a book also of that name, The Elves of Lily Hill Farm, which we've read and actually can still read to our granddaughter. And she gets great mileage out of that. It's absolutely wonderful book. And you opened a learning centre at Lily Hill Farm in Lawton, Michigan. And I mentioned also that if people wanted to get and listen to those episodes, they can actually go back on the archives on Blog Talk Radio or on our own website at worldofempowerment.com. But Penny is a writer, teacher, consultant, a speaker, a publisher and a naturopathic physician. And she's been researching and exploring consciousness, cognition, perception and intelligence for over 30 years and has written six books of her own while at the same time publishes books on the subjects of spirituality and health for others. And Penny has shared with us her experiences of consciousness and the growth of awareness. And the most recent time she was on, we discussed sex and kundalini. And before that, sometime in 2013, we talked about dreams and whether Jesus actually ever really lived or not. But today we're continuing our discussions on consciousness 
and specifically about making choices about our future and about our role in creating the future that we want. And we know that Penny wants to leave you with a global understanding of our world, a sense of vision and an understanding that we have work to do because these are necessary if we're going to heal and evolve the civilization rather than collapse. So how was that, Penny? That was great. <laughs> I could hear it much better. You must have shifted something. I did, right. I did. <laughs> He's playing okay. with buttons like any like any man, Penny. You know, they love their little toys, their little technical toys, so he's always playing with knobs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I can't say too much because I am that same way. It's like, what does this button do? <laughs> yes. Oh. Okay, okay. Well, how are you? <laughs> I'm very well, very well. I'm uh, breathlessly waiting for spring. Uh, we had a 40-degree day yesterday. Today we're back in the 20s, but um, it's got to be coming soon. We've never had this much snow on the ground this late, and uh, I know earlier you said that, you know, I was up here with four inches of snow on the ground, and I'm thinking, no, it's four feet. <laughs> so, oh, what a mistake. You know, wow. It's still up to my shoulders. But um, it's, we're going to have some warmer, you know, in the 30s next week, and I'm so looking forward to that. Fantastic. So I guess I won't say another word about San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're having a heat well, spell this weekend. Mm. <laughs> okay, but isn't that the way? Well, really, it's turning out to be because um, it does seem that places that are cold are getting colder, and places that are warm are yeah. getting warmer. Because we've had mm -hmm. uh, periods of, you know, unusually warm weather for the winter here, and obviously oh. you're getting the cold and the snow. So maybe we could yeah. maybe we could break into our conversation today, Penny. Is there any place in what you would like to cover that does cover the strange weather? Anything in there, or would you like to start with something else? Um, actually, I do have something, but it's more toward the end um, where I want to talk about um, having to adapt or move, <laughs> yeah. period. That's true, yeah. It's, uh, the, the rule in biology is change or die, period. That's yeah. just all the options that there are. Well, let's start oh, there, Penny. Um, That's an absolutely wonderful place to start because I do know in my own experience a, a lot of people are resistant to change, very, very resistant, either in their job, you know, because they'll, they'll perceive that they've got these commitments or families or mouths to feed or whatever the, the reason would be. Mm -hmm. There's this huge resistance to change, the unknown. We don't like the unknown. And yet many, many times we find when somebody does make that change, they enter a whole new world of excitement and, and exploration and adventure and everything. So let's talk about that as by way of getting into your discussion today in, in terms of having to move if necessary. Well, I think that is a good place to start. One of the things that I really wrestle with over and over is that people don't want to change anything. They spend a huge amount of energy defending yesterday or the past or how they were or how they've always been. And they say, well, that's how I am or that's my way or that's how she is. Or they're telling their children, you know, you're this way or you're that mm -hmm. way. And they just keep reinforcing something that's not useful. Yes. And, you know, and when it comes to actually having to pick up and move, go somewhere, 
you know, that's just as bad. If it's a job that, you know, a, a job change or getting fired or let go is a disaster because we're so inflexible and it doesn't have to be that way. The world does keep changing. Mm-hmm. And, and it's changing now very rapidly and very clearly. And I don't think people are looking and maybe they don't want to see and maybe they don't want to see because they don't like what they see, in which case I don't blame them. So we're just at a place where we need to begin to see if we're going to make a difference and really heal the whole thing, not just yourself, but the whole civilization. We have to begin opening up. We have to begin to be willing to see change and to make change and to make choices that uh you know, stand for a certain way of being in the world. And I think then, and it will take a, a long time. So, okay, so you know, Penny, we have to start now. Yeah, tell us then your assessment of the world right now. You know, what have you seen? Because I know you're, you're unusual in the sense that you will go on spiritual journeys and take a look at things from dimensions that other people don't. So could you... Give us your assessment of the world right now. Okay. Um, Well, this is pretty blasé, and you've probably heard it a hundred other times, but we're at a turning point. And because I'm a farmer, um, there's a huge piece of me that is right down, feet on the ground, planted in reality, and, you know, and saying to people, okay, this this is the point where we're making changes. Are you making changes? Are you ready, etc.? The thing that we need to do is to see the big picture of, of what's happening. If you're only looking locally and, and you're only operating on your own little scale, you can maybe, maybe be very happy if you're in a place where there's peace where there's, you know, nice climate, where there's plenty, etc. If you're in a place that is not as comfortable and, you know, and difficulties have occurred, um, let's just say, let's just take the weather, for instance, the difficulties in England and in Bolivia, the flooding has been epic, flooding, it's just been terrible. Um, You know, that, I'm sure, has changed people's lives. And they're being forced to look out and say, hmm, you know, what's going on here? Am I in a spot that is sustainable? And so the sustainability issue becomes something that's much more um, personal and that has to be addressed. The, um, but the big picture, when I look out there, what I see now is that there are several competing movements that are massively powerful and very dangerous and, and very messy. And, you know, those, um, those big confrontations, if you will, really revolve, uh, one of them around the financial system based in Europe, uh, one around the religious system based in the Vatican, um, and another one around the, um, the state of Israel and all the forces that are happening there. And then there's some other that are, you know, somewhat smaller. But those are the big forces pushing, driving, 
Um, and we have to begin to look at what's happening and the struggle that is taking place. And so, for, for instance, um, I want to mention, like, one of the things I would really like people to recognize on a practical scale is something, it's a term that's been coined by others, but it's called state capture. Okay, we don't really have a democracy anymore. And state capture is a process by which that democracy has been undermined. And the, the process goes something like this, and we just we're seeing it now in Ukraine. And, you know, I hope nobody comes after me, tars and feathers me, but, you know, when I look at what's happening under the surface and not the propaganda that is being touted in the newspapers, what I see is that there's this process, and it's been repeated in quite a few places. And the process goes something like send in some people who promise money and guns, and they go in and they find some people within the culture, within the state, who really don't um, like what's happening or who, who want, most of the time, they just want power. And so, you know, they get promises of money and guns and backing, and they start some sort of revolution. So, you know, the goal is to topple the existing government. The to then, you know, set up a democracy, quote-unquote democracy, with quote-unquote elections. But the elections are always manipulated. There are no free democracies anymore on the planet, Mm -hmm. and that's very sad to me. So then the next step is once they get the ruler out of the way, then they, you know, they promise to set up these elections. And in the meantime... I And what I've seen a couple times is that sometimes the exiting um, president or, you know, whoever is in power takes money with him or her, and sometimes the money is just moved electronically using satellite-based backdoor software that moves money out of the coffers. The first time this happened was in Panama. Um, I think it has just recently happened in Ukraine. And the software is called Promise. And I, I, it's very, very powerful. It's got a long story behind it, but I won't go into that. So they empty the coffers. So now the new incoming government has no money. And the next step is to uh, say, oh, you know, we can get the IMF or the World Bank to lend you millions, billions of dollars. So the country, the other option is that the country, if they refuse the money, has no money and has nothing for infrastructure, nothing for army, nothing for police, nothing for public works, and they're destitute. So they would have to enter into a period of severe austerity, and because nobody wants to deal with that, they end up taking the money. As soon as they take the money, they have been officially captured. That is state capture. And, and, you know, from there on, the, um, they may add a few accusations uh, of outgoing leaders or existing leaders who are fighting back, and they accuse them of homosexuality, which is a big bugaboo word in our vocabulary, or they accuse them of living lavishly, which is what they did with Yanukovych, um, and, you know, the impropriety, 
and that's it. They're done. Yes. You know, yes, the yes, state yes. is then manipulated from yes. that point on. Yeah. Now, we've seen that in countless instances in various states and emerging countries throughout the world. And, and not only that, but it goes back in history. Also, that's not yes. not a modern phenomenon. But here's here's my question to you, Penny. A lot of people who we talk to who prefer to remain asleep would look on that and say, oh, that's just democracy in action. That's just our our evolving world. Now, I know you and, and a large, a growing number of people want to look on an emerging, an emerging world in a different way. So what, what would be the solution that you see to something like that and using U- Ukraine as an example? I think probably the there's maybe a couple of things I could say there. That's a tough question, but um, we have to, if I just go back to the things that I saw when I was with the little men in brown robes, um, the robes said again and again, democracy works until you get to a certain point in population, and then it no longer is enough. You have to grow beyond democracy, which at the time I thought was kind of a heretical statement. So one of the things that I think um, that we have to begin to explore is what's beyond democracy. What If we hang on to everything that democracy has given us, and we don't, we don't throw that out, but we go beyond it, what is that next? step, what does that look like? And when I've gone ahead to look at what's in the future, always there's this very um, organized, I'm going to call it, I have to use today's terms, I guess, local uh, autonomy. Thousands and thousands and thousands of small autonomous communities, they are very um, independent they are, and when I say that, they are independent in terms of economics. They're independent in terms of ideology. They're independent in terms of the way they raise their children and their religion and their sexual orientations and their business practices, etc. But it all works together. And there's a what I'm going to call a council of ethics, a world council of ethics that I have seen again and again in the future. In fact, the robes asked me to help set this up, and I was like, what? (laughs) You know, I'm a housewife. I'm not a global, you know, presence, or I'm not a leader in that way. But uh, they said you You are, Penny. You are very much a leader in that way because there are few enough people who are thinking like you're thinking, and it's 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 very refreshing to speak with you and to be to be able to facilitate that message that you're bringing because you're you're obviously coming from a different place in consciousness and so so tell us about what your advice is then well i think you know if we if we institute it we we have to oh my gosh it, it's a whole system change and and the implications of that are so boggling that it just becomes impossible to get your mind around it all or to even do it all in one lifetime. So if you think in terms of where do we begin, you know, what is the first 
step. Then you have to go back to the self. You know, if you're not sustainable, if you aren't eating and drinking and exercising and, you know, and, and living in such a way that you can get away from stress from time to time as well, because that is a real danger, then you aren't going to be sustainable, you aren't going to last very long, and you're not going to have a chance to implement what you're trying to implement um, or what you're trying to make happen. So the first thing is that people have to be sustainable. The second thing is that we have to begin to take up the authority that we have relinquished to others. That is a major, major piece. We, um, that was one of the things the Little Men in Brown Robes kind of, was the only time they sounded like they were either sad or frustrated, was that we did not see that we had handed over our authority to think, our authority to be, our authority to make decisions and to, you know, and to implement those decisions. We were thousands, millions of people every day waiting to be told what to do, how to do it, when to do it, where to show up to do it, and when to stop and go home and, and, you know, get out of the way. So I think the the re-owning of authority, inner personal authority, is a major piece. Now that is something that the powers that be really are not interested in seeing happen, and so they continue their propaganda. Um, we have the same kind of propaganda happening here in the United States that was happening in Russia at the time that at the height of the Cold War. And I remember hearing um, the robes say, "You know what made them? What made them not see? What made them believe or or be so fearful that they couldn't move? Yes, that they couldn't make a change." And, you know, it was that, that loss of authority, that lack, and it comes down to never being um, given permission or encouragement to see, to think, to feel, and to trust what you are seeing, thinking, and feeling. So that is a key piece. We have to regain that inner authority. Yes. I think following right on the heels of that, we have to begin to be more spiritually mature. The greater majority of the population is seriously spiritually immature and just psychologically immature as well. So, uh, you know, a, a psychological immaturity, I think, is what blocks people from seeing what's actually happening out in the world and spiritual immaturity um, says, you know, I, I really don't want to look and see I want to just believe in this myth or this story, etc. So yes. we have to begin to and shift just, psychologically and spiritually. Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, there may be people listening, Penny, who would say, well, you know, that sounds grand on that level, but how does it happen in practice on the ground? And I, I have a, a, a perfect example of that when I was a child, Listening to a priest, a Catholic priest, tell me that I couldn't hold my sister's hand. Do you know that there was some mm. kind of sexual... Uh, oh. 
you know, this was yeah, so... Yeah, some innuendo happening there. Yeah. Well, and he was a child, too. It wasn't I, like he was even a teenager. Or, no, but, yeah. Yeah, you were still a child. I was still a child, yeah. But my point is that I looked at that priest, and it still goes on today, but I looked at that priest through my child's eyes and was saying, I thought you were meant to be a nor, a, an, an adult, somebody who had common yeah. sense, someone who had grown up to be spiritually mature. But here you are displaying mm-hmm. total, absolute nonsense. And this is still going on today from people who we look to as being an authority on religions or politics or government or finance, fiscal policy or whatever it might be. They're absolutely crazy. And yet we accept I, it. I know. And I think you use a key term there. Um, Common sense. Where is the common sense? I mean, that's something that is really, really important. And, you know, the common sense is really a a term that stands for the common knowledge or the common perception or the common feeling that people have when they have a particular kind of experience. Right. And I I just realized something, Mahana, when you were telling that story, because I've and I just have to interject this, but I've always wondered <clears throat> why mm-hmm. people who are in authority become so corrupt. And I've I've wondered about that. It doesn't matter if it's a religious person or a political person, but I think these figures have to fall down precisely because we need to be taking our authority away from them. In other words, we need to stop giving our power. And I think the fact that they crumble you know, shocks us when that happens. If we have spent too much time and energy setting them up to be knowers, as you just mentioned, they fall down and look very, very human and even less than human. Yes. But I think it's happening happening to show us how ridiculous it is to actually set people up as gurus or authority in the yes. first place. Yes, yes. Yeah, and I could share a little something there as well. I think, you know, your question about why do people become corrupt when they get into these places of power, it's really, um, it, it, most of it is spiritual immaturity. The, and it operates kind of like this, and I've run into this myself and had to backtrack. You get into, you know, a routine, and you're seen as somebody who is an authority or who knows. And, and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a feeling, I'm not sure I can describe it very well, it's a good feeling, but it's a feeling of, um, of having to be infallible and instead of being human. And so then you end up in this place where, you know, you're trying to be something that you're not in order to further, and it's not really even a selfish attitude. It's a pitfall along the path. And, you know, you end up trying to be there for somebody that you can't be there. And what you learn when you come full circle through that whole experience is that you don't have the answer really at all. What the person, the person who comes to you and has a question has at least part of their own answer. And the magic is being able to draw that out 
so that they are, you know, coming to their own aha, and you can facilitate that. You're not giving them that. You're just pulling out what's already in them. Yes, yes. And that leads to a sense of being of service and a sense of humility and this amazing understanding that if we all did that for one another, we would all be slowly and continuously emerging from this cocoon of fear and darkness into this place of trust and and being able to interact in a way that builds something positive instead of something, you know, that ends up looking like an empty icon and then falls and crashes. And then everybody feels bad and sad. And, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, and I want to just... Every- ad- yeah, I want to just address an aspect of what you're talking about, Penny, because, you know, as you know, I do readings all day long, and um, I've been trying mm-hmm. to switch over to being more of somebody who is, um, in fact, I got a download uh, uh, called the Authenticity Workshop, and as we're speaking today, right. you know, you know, I it's making me uh, realize that I need to really get that going. But that is centered around uh, helping people become their own authority. But I want to say, yes. I want to say that um, some months ago, Ahanu and I did a program called Brain Highways, and I'm mentioning this because uh, it, it actually started. We went to an open house. There's a woman here in San Diego who created this. Uh, program called Brain Highways. She started it for children who were having behavioral problems or were autistic or, you know, learning problems and all of that. Anyway, she did go into quite lengthy explanation about underdeveloped brain highways. And uh, and that if you have underdeveloped parts of the brain, you're limited in terms of how you can cope what you can think, how ordered or structured your brain is. Now, they, my daughter signed up, my granddaughter, for that. In fact, the whole family did it. And Ahanu and I did it, the adult program. Because listening to her, I realized that I myself, even though I've been on this spiritual journey for, you know, a number of years, I would come to a plateau in my, in my thinking, you know, or I just couldn't get past a yeah. certain consciousness so you know it does involve getting on the floor and creeping again like a baby for 30 minutes a day and and then that moves into crawling but after after even after four weeks of doing that I understood coherence and and I'm relating this to I'm going to use coherence in the same word as common sense because Mm. what I realized is that I did not have an ordered brain and once I started developing those highways by creeping and crawling, not only did I have a stronger inner core, I had more energy, I was waking up happy, but my brain was organized. In other words, I could think clearly, I could download higher messages, I was inspired, I was in a whole different place of coherence. And I'm, I'm mentioning this because I do think that this is a worldwide problem in the sense of, you know, the brain can really only function uh, to the degree that, that it has the highways to do so. But what I also realized was the brain was unlimited 
in its capacity to download higher and higher and higher forms of knowledge. But I really do think that people are dysfunctional in that way. And so, you know, it to me, it seems to be a problem because if you look at a person's ability to reason in the way that we're talking about today, I do think the brain function has something to do with it. And certainly the powers that be do not want higher brain functioning. <laughs> now, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. And I think you've come to it in your own way through your Kundalini experience where you were awakened, your inner higher centers were awakened. But what do you think about this problem from, from that level of the individual? Oh, I think you're right on. Um, that's something that I've been harping about and trying not to be too ferocious about for, you know, like 25 years. And I called it arrested development. Um, what was the term you called this? You had some other term, but it was like, oh, that's it. That she's on it. Yeah. So um, what happens when when you get into a culture like ours, like if you go outside our culture, if you travel outside the U.S., you find people are much brighter, much more alert, much more intuitive, and more coherent. I'm going to use your term. They're more coherent in the way they perceive the world and how they express their relationship with one another and that world. You come here and I, you know, I don't know what's happening to us. I, I think it's a combination. Some of it, I think, is electronics. Some of it is the really dangerous bad food that people eat on a regular basis. And I think, you know, some of it is the education process. Um, but what you get in some total is, and I have to throw in there, the uptake of heavy metals. Heavy metals are a very serious problem. They come in from everywhere, uh, from the water, from the food, from, you know, the air. You breathe some in, et cetera. But um, the result is you get brain function that doesn't function. And the result is altered perception. I see everyone in the United States as in an altered state and completely divorced or detached from reality. And, wow. you know, there's a few here and there. Yeah, but not very many. No, that's a that's a so, heavy that's a really heavy statement, and I'd like to expand on that a little. But we do need to take a very very quick little studio break here, and let's remind our listeners that we're speaking with Penny Kelly, who can be contacted at pennykelly.com, and you're listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on the. Honest to God series radio show. This is number 99 and next week we have a great hundredth show. But uh, let's take a very, very quick break and we'll be right back after this. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. Well, you're very, very welcome back. This is Ahanu and we have Penny Kelly and we're speaking about evolving 
and growing and changing our world. And we're speaking about food and education and politics and heavy metals just before the break. And I've got a question to continue along the same lines, Penny, that we were speaking about just before the break there. We had a wonderful workshop just the last couple of weeks there. And we mentioned at the beginning of the show that we have another one coming up in Ireland in April on reading the Akashic Records. But here's the thing. The number, the people who attended the workshop in San Diego, first of all, there was an unusual number of men. Now, as you know, prior to this, in the last numbers of years, it's always very, very hard to get men to open up in any way, spiritually or emotionally. But yet we had a higher than average number of men. So I, I saw that as an absolutely wonderful development. But also I found that the people were willing to learn, they were willing to grow. They really, really desired to gr- to change what was going on. Now, mm-hmm. my my question, though, is in terms of proportions, it was a tiny, tiny proportion of the population, you know. So I'm wondering, in the light of what you were talking about just before the break, do we, how close are we or do you think we're anywhere near getting critical mass in terms of the growth of awareness and the, the, the spiritual growth that's needed to make these changes? Um, I'm not sure if I could give a percentage point, but I was out looking at the big picture, looking at the global um, psyche. This was a couple months ago. Um, And one of the things that struck me was the number of people who are uh, awake or partially awake, um, and they were just kind of sitting tight. They were waiting to be able to make a move. They were waiting for something that they could get behind. They were waiting, waiting, waiting. And I thought, oh, that's a very good sign. You know, yes. if, if we don't have the, the backing to, you know, for ourselves, we have to back ourselves. That's a big thing. No big government is going to come along or no big business and, and back a movement toward what I'm going to call sanity, common sense, and reconnection to the earth. So um, what, I, what I keep sensing, and, and there is something, I keep sensing something um, big, very big coming financially, very, very big, and it's fairly close, I think maybe in the spring, this spring. So, um, you know, I think people are just waiting to implement the kinds of consciousness that they secretly maintain in private, and there isn't a place yet for them to do that in a way that um, is not only safe but makes sense. You know, they we really have to have a world in which things make sense. And right now, the world is not making a whole lot of sense, but it's working. And so it, that sort of thing is not sustainable. And you mentioned, or you asked a question earlier, Ahanu, um, you know, what do we need to do? What what are some of the things that we could do? And so I have a a small list of things that I, you know, tell people when they ask that sort of question, and it's adaptable to this conversation. And one of the first things that you can do is change your diet. Change your diet so that you're eating real food. 
and even raw food, if you can get some, you know, if you can get to that point, be careful because it causes a backlash in the body. And if you get into an uncontrolled detox situation, you could be pretty miserable. So, you know, that the diet is the first thing because if you can't rebuild brain structure so that it's working well, then you, it's going to be very difficult to get anywhere. The second thing is like what um, Angel was talking about. Do something to re-educate, reform yourself. And so Angel's, um, you know, in your adventure was let's go see if we can, you know, reorganize this brain. That Those kinds of things are very powerful. Um, you know, I think the, you know, the next thing we have to do is get honest about what's working in terms of relationships. There are not very many good relationships. Um, most people are frozen into relationships that are dead, and those are the source of huge amounts of stress. And so that has to be dealt with. And and then I think, you know, once you get to a place where you're dealing with those kinds of things, then you can begin to deal with things like uh, evolving yourself uh, psychologically, mentally, maybe more school if you want. Just school because you're interested, not school because you're trying to get a degree in something. And then um, uh, spiritual maturity, you know, taking some kind, finding a teacher or a guide or somebody that can maybe guide you along the path. There are good teachers and there are bad teachers, and they're all valuable. The bad teachers teach you how to see a, how to recognize a bad teacher, and the good teachers, you know, are just, they're very useful. And then once you get yourself in line, then you can begin to say, okay, let's deal with the world. Um, and as a group, we have some things to do. Um, and, you know, we here in the U.S. have a lot of things to do. Um, and I think generally, but I'm going to speak, you know, in terms of the global population. I think probably one of the first things we have to um, to begin to understand is the need to move beyond the nation as an organizational structure. If nations are being used to beat on one another, then we can't have peace and we can't have health and joy and take care of one another if we are, you know, if the nation is in the way. And so I see a lot of nations that are struggling, disintegrating, and I think the reason they are struggling is because they haven't used their power wisely and well. And it's the same old, same old. Nothing is sustainable if it isn't based in love and peace and joy and health, et cetera, and common yeah. sense. Yeah. So now isn't, we isn't have it, to move past. Yeah, isn't it interesting, though, how we continue to fool ourselves into believing something that is not true? And even the example I gave about the religions and the priest example earlier on, you know, how adult mm-hmm. men and women will believe something that is so totally not true and not in line with humanity at all. And I mean, I've I've got a, you know, a simple example of that. And I don't want to sound unpatriotic. And it's an interesting word, patriotic. But let's just let's just deal with it in a second. You know, we live very, very close to um, an, an Air Force base. 
and the sound of these jets taken off is is re- it's aggressive you know it's not nice and yet oh, yeah. and yet though the local people accept that and they actually call it the sound of freedom now i question that every single time i say hang on a second is that not r- truly the sound of aggression and foolishness i mean wh- mm-hmm. how how can you translate death a, a weapon of destruction like that into the sound of freedom how can you do that and i i can't mm. bridge that gap in my own consciousness do you know what i mean and but yet adult yeah. men and women believe that all forms of aggression are maturity and they're 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 patriotic do you know mm. I, I have a great difficulty with that what's your your opinion on that penny well, you know, I'm not the least bit worried about labels, and patriotic is just a label, and it's it's no different than, you know, a label like, you know, he's retarded or she's gay or, you know, they're poor or, you know, he's stupid or whatever. They're just labels. Um, and, you know, I, and it really bothered me when George Bush accused people of being patriotic when they spoke up and said, hey, we don't like that, or being unpatriotic. Um, you know, if they didn't support the war in Iraq. Yeah, you're even for us or against us, kind of a polarization. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah and, and I'm for common sense and for love and for things that work. And, you know, that whole thing is people don't have anything else that they can believe in. In fact, I'm going to West Virginia next month and I'm going to give a talk. And the subject of the talk is letting go of belief because you are not free until you can let go of all belief systems. A belief system is a straitjacket in terms of your consciousness. That's right. And I think the whole, the whole process of that for so many people is, is so based in fear because they've made their identity be their belief systems. They're one and the same. Their belief systems are their identity. And mm-hmm. and when you start taking that down, you know, all of a sudden there's disorientation. You know, people don't know who they are, where they are. And, yep. you know, I've gone through that process myself because I was raised Catholic. And I remember the day that I came to the place. I, I was interested in the history of Jesus. And uh, I came to the place where I realized that there was none. I mean, I couldn't really find any history of Jesus. And. It was a shocker to me because I realized that I had been living my whole entire life, and I think I was in my 40s, uh, trying to model uh, this person who everybody said was, it was the way to be as a human. And I I remember having the thought that said, well, who would I be if I wasn't trying to be this other model? And it was a, it was a shock to my system. It really was. But... As you mentioned, it was also one of the most freeing experiences of my life because suddenly I got this twins that I had permission. I had permission to define myself. And nobody really had the right to tell me who I had to be or how I had to behave or who I had to believe in or model. And it was it was mm-hmm. a catch-22, but, you know, and I, I do see this too in my mom, who is a, a very, very, very strong Catholic and I won't spend a lot of time on it, but let me just say that I always had a problem understanding why my mother could not open to some of the truths that we're speaking about today. 
uh, we would have conversations and she could not handle anything that I was um, saying. And I took it personally at the time. Yeah. I thought, well, my mother doesn't want to know me, blah, blah. But what it really was, was that her identity is so Catholic that if you come along and you say, hey, do you realize that this identity that you made is not is based in a fantasy? You know, you would, mm-hmm. at that point in her life, because she was in her 70s, I would have destroyed uh, her whole her whole world, actually. So yes. I, I guess I want to mention that to you and see what you think about that, because in this personal process of letting go of our beliefs, there is this whole um, destruction, really, of the psyche in a way that happens. And a lot of people either they can't handle that or they stay in that in-between place where they don't know what to do now. And so there's a, there's a kind of a little bit of a danger there in terms of where are they going to go once they realize that everything they have believed in is false. So Mm -hmm. can you comment on that? Yeah, I would. Um, There's, there's a process that consciousness goes through First of all, you know, the consciousness organizes, and it will generally, once it organizes, it will generally form a body, and the body will be in line with the consciousness. If the consciousness is not strong enough to maintain its self-organizing properties at the level that it is organized at, then it'll devolve, and if it's strong enough, it will begin to evolve. So when you take an individual who's a fairly youngish soul and you and you try to support and nurture them enough to get them far enough along the line where they can self-maintain, one of the supports along the way is you give them a variety of identities through a, a series of lifetimes, you give them a variety of experiences in, in, in terms of what they actually go through, and eventually they discover that they had all these experiences in all these lifetimes, and they're really not any of those. <laughs> they are this self-maintaining, self-organizing um, entity that doesn't really need a body at all. And we are, I mean, that's a big picture overview of what goes on in the system that I call the system of life. And so, for instance, your mother is, sounds like a fairly youngish soul who needs the support of a belief system in order to help her hold herself together long enough to make a little bit of progress in order to be able to survive the death and still maintain the self and, you know, come back and get a little more and then come back and get a little more. So it's a, it's a very useful system of life. But um, it makes for some very interesting interpretations when you get here on the ground. Yes. You know, and, yeah. and, you, and you do realize. And I think that that's a point of incredible sensitivity on your part, Angel to say I couldn't say anymore because I you know what I if I took that away from her she wouldn't exist she wouldn't it would have destroyed her and we don't need to do that to one another we just need to love the way we love and let people be the way they are and it's that intense love and 
and I think also I would add, we need to, and this addresses something that Ahano said earlier, we really need to learn how to communicate with one another in a way that nurtures and challenges at the same time. And that is a paradoxical position, and it's not something that young souls know how to do very well. Young souls are really good at um, power and aggression and force and things like that. And they learn some pretty tough lessons in those positions. But when you get a little older in terms of your own um, consciousness and, and soul development, what you begin to see is that you can be all these conflicting things that, or you would have considered them to be conflicting things that, you know, you wouldn't have been able to do when you were a younger soul. You can hold a much more complex um, version of consciousness and operate within that in a way that is very, very sophisticated, very flexible, and um, really keeps an eye on, uh, you know, where are we going, how is it, how are we going, wherever we're going, and, you know, are we getting to the point that we can self-sustain and become eternal. Yes, yes. So, now, Penny, here's, um, here's a well, question. Well, that would be my... Yeah. yeah. I'm just wondering, in, in general, one, one could look out on the world and be very disappointed and negative. Okay. Oh, but, I know. But at the same time, though, and I know this of you and I want to draw this out of you, tell us what kind of good things are already in existence. Tell us about the wonder and the joy and the beauty and the love that you already encounter. Talk to us a little about that side oh, of it. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Um, well, let's see. Let's, let's start from the practical point of view. Um, it's been 20 years since I started, you know, nagging people to change their diet, to get smart about food. And one of the good things I see is that everybody is talking about the food system now. Everybody is saying, oh, it's about the nutrition, stupid, (laughs) so to speak. I shouldn't use that term. Um, And so that is a very good thing. We are waking up to the food issue and the fact that, you know, that is the base of our engagement here. Um, The second thing that I see is that the attitude toward animals is very slowly changing. We, you know, cats and dogs were the first wave of animals who, you know, when the animals, um, we we used to have a very different relationship with them. And um, the animals kind of really took a hit. Um, They used to be our machinery. You know, birds would leave us an egg here and there. Bears would bring us food and, um, you know, lions and et cetera would bring kill that they had where somebody among themselves, they had decided somebody was going to go. And they would share that with the adults um, in their world. You know, cows and goats and sheep and camels and, you know, et cetera, produced milk and, and shared that with us. And they dug ditches or holes or move things, carry things, all that went away. When we got into hard times, some people started killing the animal for failing to deliver, and the whole relationship went down. So now we have this whole wave of cats and dogs 
especially here in America, who have said we'll be the first wave, we'll be the first ones to go back. We know some of us will be beaten, some of us will be imprisoned, some of us will be, you know, not fed, some of us will have our sexuality altered, but we will show humans that we think, that we feel, we anticipate, we care, we have compassion, we are of service. And so that's in progress. I think that's a beautiful kind of thing happening. Um, on the technological front, we have the amazing, amazing work of Mehran Kesh. Um, I think we've maybe talked about him a little bit before. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. But he was, yeah, his, um, his technology is progressing. We are moving past the um, time of quantum physics, and we are moving into what I'm going to call the plasma universe. And um, plasma is the thing of the future. You are made of plasma. Plasma responds directly to consciousness. So, you know, Kesha's um, technologies are, are just astounding. You know, his energy, what he's discovered is that if you take the plasma signature of something and you match it to something else that the two things come together. So therefore you could take a spaceship, match it to the frequency, the plasma frequency of Mars, and it will go to Mars in you know, and be back by lunch. Um, because you're there instantly. It's there's no um, you know, what do you call that, propulsion system, there's no need for fuel, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Um, Angel Rose just made the a, remark there, Penny, that that's exactly what she needs for our Ireland trip. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Okay, go okay. Ahead. He's also figured out how to take a carbon-based gas and make it a solid and then imprint that gas with the frequencies of food and super nutrition. And you take that in and you no longer have to... Um, you know, worry about not getting enough nutrition. That's one of the things he developed. Um, I think another thing that he, astounding thing in terms of medicine, um, and this was one of the things I saw with the little men in brown robes, um, that you you have this frequency generator. He takes your base plasma signature of your body, and then he restores that signature to its clarity and perfection and so whatever disease you have is just erased overnight and that I think is going to cause some real difficulties uh, in terms of who who gets to be saved people there are some people in the world trying to get rid of of population um, you know they they just they don't see that if we have a certain amount a certain base a certain bulk of population, then we have this tremendous ability to make a leap together. Otherwise, it's onesie-twosies and everybody's in doubt and worried, etc. Um, so they, the whole healing thing is just an astounding. New kinds of healing are on the horizon. And then um, the, uh, what's the other thing I was going to say? He's got um, some technology 
um, that, and when you watch it operate, it's very, very simple. You can have it on your kitchen counter, but it is a technology that when you turn it on and you set the frequency, for instance, to gold, he was giving a demonstration of this recently. When you set the frequency to gold, it literally, instantly extracts gold from wherever you tell it to extract from. So it extracts from your cell phone, and now all of a sudden the gold that's in your cell phone is not there and the cell phone doesn't work. And what he's saying is this will allow any country to simply deactivate the circuits in an incoming rocket or bomber, etc. And his whole thing is no more war. It's, it's over. War is over. It's time to learn to live together. And so I think that that kind of technology, the, the other side of that technology, um, and this was also something that I saw with the ropes, was that you turn on this generator and you can manifest or you can pull together the elements of whatever you would like to create. And so the one of the big issues right now that you hear about from time to time are the coming water wars. You know, what kind of programming is that? Um, so what he's saying, what his technology allows is for water to be manufactured from space. And so, you know, there isn't going to be any water shortage. We have the technology. It's operational. He's already doing it. There are a number of countries, everybody except the U.S., that are working with this technology. You never hear about it here. The U.S. is becoming a third-rate country and, and moving in that direction. That makes me very sad. And... We have wonderful things unfolding in various places. Um, we do have the technology to modify the weather. We're using it to make trouble for other countries, and they're making trouble for us. Mm -hmm. You know, where's, yes. that's, my mother would say, where are your manners? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah. We have uh, just a huge number of, of um people, I think, that um, we have enough communication now, this is on the good side, to develop strategies for non-participation. And what I mean by that is if we're going to survive and thrive and evolve as a civilization, we have to begin not participating in the old system. You can't not participate. You have to participate in that old system. If that's your only source of food, and that's your only source of energy, and et cetera, and your only source of healing. So we have to begin preparing now because it's going to take an entire generation to get ready. Um, but we have to begin making our food ourselves and being responsible for that and feeding everybody we can feed as many as we can feed um, with that good food, not the stuff that is being perpetrated on us as food. And it's really just factory chemicals made to look like food and is very, very destructive to the body. 
um, I think, you know, we have to begin preparing the housing. We have to begin experimenting and exploring the energy systems. We have to begin finding ways to, for instance, you know, a whole family, buy an entire neighborhood, all the houses in a neighborhood, and live there together and work together, and, and maybe not a whole family, but an entire business. They all live and work in the same spot, and they develop their business from there. They, you know, they're an integral part of helping develop the technology. None of the pieces that we have are bad. We're just using them very, very poorly and in a destructive manner. So all right, Penny, I can think you, we have to... Can you go back and yeah, just... Go um, uh, speaking about Kesh, going back to Kesh just for a, mem- a moment, could you spell his name for our listeners and also... Are there places, I mean, is he giving workshops anywhere where you can actually go and, and hear him? Uh, yeah, okay. His name is Mehran, M-E-H-R-A-N, middle initial is T, and last name is Kesh, K-E-S as in Sam, H-E, Kesh. And um, you can get to, uh, you can go to his website. He's got a website called keshfoundation.org. And if you go to, I think um, on his website, if you go to, he's got a menu bar. And on the menu bar is, um, mm, let's see, I think it's it's, um, media or something like that, media. And you click on media a drop-down menu will come up, and in that is something called video presentations. And you click on video, and about the third video down on that page that comes up is this amazing introduction to the Cash Foundation. And it's an introduction to his work, his theories. Um, You know, he's got a few demonstrations, but on the website... There are a number of, of fabulous videos, interviews, um, demonstrations. Um, you know, he's got books that are available for sale. I think he has three books. They are they're game changers. They're definitely, you know, way beyond. I listen to the stuff that people are talking about here in the U.S., and I think, hmm, wow, we're really behind so, and Cash does um, only work with um, major countries uh, or with countries. You have to be country-level person. But he puts his stuff out um, for everybody. He In private, you don't get an invitation to attend one of his seminars unless you are a scientist working with a, like a United States or um, you know, an England or a Spain or a France or China or, you know, something like that, Egypt. Um, and there are many, many countries now working with him around the world and doing some amazing work. I, uh, quite a few countries, in fact, have projects of his that are in process. And it, when I look at that I, and, and I line that up, with what I see when I go out and look at the future, what I see is we can, we're can we moving toward a beautiful future, fabulous future. 
and there are some distractions, but the future that we're moving toward is is quite different. Um, people live in communities that are small and tight and very self-sufficient and very sustainable. The education system is all on the web. The food system is all done at home. Um, you know, technology continues to be developed. Medicine is all done over the web. And if you look at the work of Dr. Gosh, I forget what his name is. Topple, T-O-E-P-P-E-L, maybe, a cardiologist, you can get a little taste of the kind of technology that is being developed to work with your cell phone. You just put your cell phone up against your heart, and the doctor in his office can read your um, cardiogram. You know, it, it, you just buy this little plate and you stick it up against your belly and, and it, you know, you put your cell phone up against it and you've got an instant, um, uh, like an x-ray or what is that other thing you look inside of you. Um, you get them all the time. They're, they're done with audio um, waves and, and, you know, it, it gives the, the doctor a picture, literally a picture of what's going on you know, in your stomach or in your aorta or in your leg or wherever you happen to put this little plate. And yes. it sells for, I think, $199. Yeah, yeah. So, Isn't it interesting, though, yeah. Penny, that you have, you've got all this electro-smog pollution around the place, you know, coming from cell towers and from our modern wireless communications. And yet at the same time, uh, you have that technology been used for such good and for, for such pioneering work like what you mentioned and we're reading a book at the moment by Dr. Ibrahim Harim I think is his name is it uh, Ibrahim Karim he's an Egyptian and he oh. did an experiment in um, Holland where they removed all the electro smog in a particular area through resonance and it's a really interesting theory but really what you're what you're saying is that you could look upon these developments as a negative and then you can also look upon them as being a positive and it seems to me this is what you're you're choosing to do you're making a choice at this point in time and saying that the future is absolutely beautiful when we work with that motivation in mind yeah that's true, Ahano, and I think it really, um, you bring up a good point that I would have completely overlooked, and that is that the technologies of the future, there is no pollution because we have um, learned how to cancel that. That's one of the things that yes. Cash brings out in one of his more recent um, demonstrations is, um, you know, how to clear the ocean of all the radioactivity. We're talking about the entire Pacific Ocean. He's got techniques and um, ways of doing that. Yes. It's all done in 24 to 48 hours. Um, and the ability to clear pollution in a city uh, can be done overnight. So there are some fabulous, I mean, we are our technology. Those are parts of our creative expression. The fact that we haven't figured out how to use them yet and, you know, and, and how to use them effectively for good is really a part or a result of the fact that we still have this old-fashioned idea that some are better than others. 
and that is just not true, and it isn't workable. Okay, Even so, if it worked, it isn't workable. So, so Penny, I, w- I want to bring this full circle because uh, we are winding down, but I, in, in talking about Kesh <clears throat> and his ability to clean oceans, and there's been others who've developed things like this too, the question would come from people as to, well, why aren't we implementing this technology right now? You know, in other words, what are we waiting for if it's already in place? And then my second part to the question is, is it because we have, we as a consciousness have not shifted our own, our own beings uh, to that reality? What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, that is right, hits it right on the head. You have to be willing to um, take a role. And we have a culture in which we have been divided and isolated. And because we have not been taught how to communicate, <laughs> the communication is so poor that we tend to avoid one another. That isn't going to be the case once we learn how to communicate. And that's not the case when you get into telepathy and, you know, mind reading and that kind of thing. It's a very different world. Yes. We well, do need um, some, some teaching along those lines. We have to learn how to listen and how to communicate and how to, like I said, how to nurture and challenge at the same time and hold one another in love. And if we can do that, we can begin to... Um, really have the world that is waiting for us, but there are some things that have to be cleaned up. So, yes. and if nobody's going to participate, we will go down. Right. And and you know, and let me say one other thing that I really wanted to communicate. Um, and so it's perfect time for that. Let's say that the United States goes down, and some other country. Um, invades or takes over or, you know, or or we just disintegrate into a pile of confusion. And somebody else is in position to take us, us meaning the, the planet and all the people, another step forward. And by gosh, you know, do we have the strength and the wisdom to allow that best suited person or group to survive and succeed with our blessing? Or are we going to, you know, grouse and complain and carry on and, you know, and and be really um, vengeful in our attitude toward them? We have to begin working together. Penny, can I just really quick, I get get you, I only get to have you give me a minute answer. But what do you think is going to be happening with the finances? That all the time, so. Oh, um. Just based on intuition, I think that somehow there's going to be either a collapse very close or something is going to change with the money system. I'm not sure. I just, for two months now, I have been feeling this urgency around money and and the feeling it always comes with this. Get what you need to get right now. Spend what you have on what you need and don't be trying to save it for the future because the because something is going to shift and that money isn't going to be there 
Right. So. Well, now let's leave it at that. We'll do a very, very quick summary of what we've covered today. And we've really hit on some amazing points. We talked about our resistance to change, the need to see the big picture, the forces at work in the world today and the promise software that you mentioned and state capture. We talked about democracy and what's beyond it, the World Council of Ethics, the need for sustainable communities, the need to regain our own personal power and authority, the need to be spiritually mature. We talked about brain highways, food, education, politics, heavy metals. And then you gave some very, very valid points about eating real food, re-educating yourself, being honest in your relationships. And then once you have yourself online, start working globally. We talked about belief systems as a straitjacket and how belief systems become your identity. Then we went into nurturing and challenging each other. And you mentioned about young souls and old souls. You covered nutrition, our attitude towards animals. We spoke in depth about Meran Kesh and the Kesh Foundation at keshfoundation.org, the plasma future. We talked about energy signatures in medicine, surviving and thriving by not participating in the old system. And then we were winding to a close when we spoke about the beautiful future and how we use technology without pollution to clean oceans and grow food and become healthy. And then we will leave to another time to go into detail more about telepathy and how to nurture and challenge. And I think that's a beautiful uh, line in which to leave our discussion today. We've been speaking with Penny Kelly, who can be contacted at pennykelly.com. Penny, do give us a little closing summary of where you're at in your own situation there in Lawton, Michigan, and what your plans are for the near future. Things are well here. We have been really busy. I finally got my calendar set up. I'm either traveling. I'm traveling almost every month somewhere, West Virginia at the Arlington Institute in April. In May, I'm going to be in the Santa Barbara area in June. I'm uh, going to be in Frederick, Maryland um, in uh, July. We have a permaculture workshop here, permaculture and nature spirits together. And so it's, in, you know, all the way to the end of the year, the Appalachian seconds Society Conference in Asheville, North Carolina. So it's going to be a, a busy and interesting year. And I've just been having fun, you know, and I'm working, I'm still working on Volume 3 of Consciousness and Energy. So right. um, and waiting for the snow to melt. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we do have to leave it there, Penny. It's been a joy, as always, having you on. We do want to invite you to come on again, as I say, to talk about how to nurture nurture and challenge. So until the next time, you do remember that our group Akashic Records are online tomorrow, every Sunday morning indeed at 10 a.m. Pacific time. More information at worldofempowerment.com. Next week, it could be you. If you'd like to come on the show and discuss your passion or your spiritual business, contact us at angelrose.com. So until next week at 8 a.m. Pacific time, we send you our love, our blessings, and thanks for listening to myself, Ahanu, and to Angel Rose and Penny Kelly on the Honest to God series. And as we say in Ireland, Slán agus Bannacht de Liv Goléir. Thank you, Penny. Thank you. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living.
the Honest to God series with Ann Gail Rose and Ahanu.